Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Sosland, and today we are learning Daf Mem Aleph in Masachet Psachim, page 41. Our Daf today deals with the commandment to eat the Korban Pesach, the Pesach sacrifice, roasted. What happens if a person eats the Korban Pesach, not roasted? Let's start by looking at the verses in Shemot which describe the Korban Pesach. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 8, you should, They should eat that meat on that night, roasted with fire and with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. And here's verse 9, do not eat it raw or cooked in water, but rather roasted with fire. Its head with its legs and with the innards. Today's stuff is focused on the specific punishment that one incurs if one eats the Korban Pesach raw, or let's say less than roasted, partially cooked, or if one eats it cooked in water, which we might consider boiling or creating a stew of sorts. This is clearly a don't do. It is a love, the Aramaic rabbinic term for a lotase, a biblical prohibition. The Torah clearly says do not eat it raw or cooked in water. But the question is, if one does eat it raw or partially uncooked or boiled, how many loves, how many don't do commandments is a person transgressing? The Torah also says you must eat it roasted with fire. If you don't eat it roasted with fire, would that be considered a second transgression? Or is eating it roasted with fire a general love, a love shebichlalot, that doesn't count for its own punishment? The Gemara on our page goes back and forth on this discussion. Rava says that a person who does such a thing, lokesh naim, he incurs two sets of malkot, the rabbinic set of 39 lashes. He incurs one set of malkot for eating the korban pasach, na umivushal, partially cooked or cooked in water, and he receives another set of 39 lashes for eating it not roasted. The pasuk says you must eat it roasted. If you don't eat it roasted, according to Rava, that's one punishment. And then if you eat it partially cooked or cooked in water, that's a second one. Rava even goes so far as to say that if a person eats a portion, which is significant enough, of the Pesach sacrifice, uncooked or raw or partially cooked, and he eats a second punishable portion cooked in water, he can even be punished with three sets of lashes. 
one for not eating it roasted, one for eating it na, and one for eating it mivushal. That's a lot of lashes. Abaye, Rava's friend and Barplukta, his disputing partner, says no. Ein lo keen alav shabichlalot. You cannot incur lashes for violating a generalized prohibition. The Gemara goes on then to try to understand Abaye's point. Is Abaye saying that you can never be punished on a general prohibition? Or is he saying that if you transgress a general prohibition and a specific prohibition, that you can only be punished on one? That is, if you only transgress the general one, you would be punished. But if you've transgressed a specific prohibition that is within the general prohibition, you don't need to get punished twice for the same thing. The Gemara goes on working through this debate. The Rishonim, the medieval commentators, and halachic decisors understand this discussion in a variety of ways. Ultimately, the conclusion of the poskim, the halachic decisors, is that one cannot receive more than one set of malkot for transgressing a love. Eating the Pesach sacrifice, raw, partially uncooked, or boiled, is a transgression that can only be punished once. This makes intuitive sense. We already know the Talmudic injunction, Ein Isur, Chal Al Isur, one prohibition does not work upon another prohibition. So then why did we have to go through this whole somewhat confusing discussion? And anyway, these men are living at a time in the 4th century when the Pesach sacrifice is not even being brought. So the discussion itself is theoretical. What is this all about, I sometimes ask myself. Couldn't you have said it a little bit more simply? Or even, I sometimes think, not at all. Get on with it. But that's when I remember who I'm dealing with. The rabbis of the Talmud have an approach to Torah that is unparalleled, and I think really beautiful, and I have so much to learn from them. For them, there is no more sacred task than parsing out the words of every pasuk, each verse in the Torah, and trying to understand the law of God in the clearest way possible. Wait, is this one punishment, two punishments, or even three? Is this a general rule that contains a specific rule or a specific rule that adds to the general rule? The famous Havayot de Abaye Virava, the debates of Abaye and Rava, are quintessentially Talmudic. And Rava especially believed that there was nothing holier than one could do than that one could do than learn Torah. That Torah was, as he said, an inoculation against the Yetzir Hara, the evil inclination. Just by being engaged in Torah, one was less likely to have wrong kinds of thoughts. Even prayer or good deeds were not as important for Rava as Torah learning was. Once he saw a scholar lengthening his prayers and he tisk-tisked him, saying, that man is choosing the life of today over eternal life. And in Masechet Menachot, Rava argues that kol ha'osek b'Torah, anyone engaged in Torah, is not required to bring a sacrifice. So of course, Rava would spend hours figuring out exactly the right way to eat the Pesach sacrifice, because it's the learning 
for him, which is even more important than the sacrifice itself. Love of the debate, the sacred act of learning for learning's sake, and the love of Torah more than anything else in the world. The lashes one receives for eating the Pesach sacrifice in the wrong way. Those are important, but far more important is the way in which they help the rabbis to enter into a world view, where the process itself is more important than the result, where being involved in the process is a protective measure against the evil inclination. Talmud Torah Keneged Kulam, the study of Torah for these rabbis, engaging with the text in the most detailed way possible, is, of course, the most important mitzvah of all. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.